the worst nightmare would be to be canceled. So I see other influencers being canceled for something they say, and it's really scary. Most of the times, like they said something highly inappropriate, and that's why. Or maybe it's something from the past that when they were immature that they said, and then it got dug up, and then they're getting canceled for it now. I just think cancel culture is so toxic, and it's dangerous. It's not good for anybody, really. Welcome to the Full Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q and A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Full Time Influencer Podcast. This is a very special episode. We're going to do a Q and A minisode, and today I have Lucy, our Director of Digital Media at Full Time Influencer, to help ask the questions and co-host this minisode. So, welcome, Lucy. Hi. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> do you want to tell everyone who aren't familiar with you a little bit about yourself? Where you're from? What do you do? Sure.、Um, so I'm Lucy. I'm Tina's director of digital media. I help run the FTI Instagram page and the Facebook group and a bunch of other things behind the scenes. I am a New Yorker. How old are you? <laughs> I, I'm a New Yorker. I'm 23. So、um, young. Snatched it up right out of college. <laughs> Yeah,、Seriously. so Lucy really is、um, huge, huge help,、uh, full-time influencer, and a lot of the beautiful graphics that you see is all Lucy. So,、um, yes, I just wanted to introduce you guys to her, although you may have seen her on our stories. So now we're going to start with the questions that you submitted on my Instagram account. If you don't follow me on Instagram, definitely go check it out. We will link it in the show notes. And so let's begin. All right. So question number one: Are you an influencer, a content creator, or both? So this is an interesting question.、Um, the fact that people even distinguish between influencer and content creator. I think most of the time people think that、um, influencers are more people who just use their phones and make selfies and talk about their lives, whereas like a content creator is someone with proper camera gear and really edits their photos professionally or, or not necessarily professionally, but just cares more about the content. So I would say for me, I am a bit of both. I'm more like a hybrid. I、uh, the content that I put out is. Leaning towards a content creator, but then I think the way that I show up is a lot more casual and influencer-like. So hybrid, yay for hybrids! <laughs> so how did you get the courage to begin posting on Instagram? Yes, so I mean it is always scary to start anything, right? Especially when you don't know if you'll succeed and you're putting yourself out there. I honestly, I just. Felt like I needed to start something, and I was seeing all these pe- other people do it as well. And I guess it was other people doing it that gave me courage. I was like, "Well, that person can do it. This person can do it. I'm sure I can too." And so I just started. So please, like, don't hesitate. Don't wait. You don't need to be perfect. Just 
put it out there or like tell all your friends so that you can no longer back out and just start. There's no need to be scared. Most people on the internet are reasonably nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've spoken before about how you're an introvert, but you're still like very active on social media and you're really、yeah. putting yourself out there. Do you have any tips for other introverts who are maybe wanting to start doing the same thing? Yeah, if, if you look at my Instagram now, you'd never think I'm an introvert、um, because I show up like pretty naturally. But honestly,、um, I hate socializing. I'm so introverted and I, like, I avoid calling the bank to fix issues just so I don't have to talk to people. <laughs>、um, it's a miracle I'm here. But basically, I pretend like I'm talking to myself. And the thing that really gives me courage is that the people who choose to follow along, 99.9% of the time are there to support you. And they are really kind and nice and supportive. And you'll find that as you start to grow a following, that will be the case as well. So, there's, so it feels a lot easier to speak to them. You just gotta think that the people who are watching you, they, cho- they chose to be there and that you want to show up. For them, as if they're your friends, and I think that helps to overcome that introvert part. So, act as if you're speaking to your friend because they almost are like your friend. It's just that you haven't met in person and you don't have conversations every day. That definitely makes sense. So, something I think introverts and honestly extroverts too would also be concerned about is dealing with hate. I think everyone on the internet gets hate. How do you personally deal with it? Dealing with hate is hard. Even to this day, I still struggle sometimes, to be honest. We're not, we never become immune to it, I think, but we do get better at handling our emotions when we see like hateful stuff, I think. And I think one of the things that I keep reminding myself is just that、um, we should be feeling sorry for these people versus feeling sorry for ourselves because. They must be pretty sad and probably not in the best place to randomly go on the internet and hate on people. And so, in any case, you're probably living a better life than them. And so, that's why they feel the need to, to say something or put you down. And we don't need to stoop down to their level.、Um, but also, I think it's important to distinguish between like constructive criticism versus hate. So, it's not just to ignore anything that's slightly negative that comes your way.、Um, try to keep an open mind if people are giving you feedback. But then, if you can see that it's just hidden passive aggression, or if they're really more just hating for no particular reason, that's when you should really just shelter yourself from these things, block them if you need to, and move on with your life. And remember that they're probably the, the sadder people here. Yeah. That's good advice. So, taking that, taking what we know about not being scared to start, how should we start? What do you think you should start posting to like really establish, establish yourself as I'm going to be an influencer or a content creator? So, when you're starting out, I think it's important to post things that will help you get visible because your whole goal is to be seen and start growing first. And then over time, you engage and then build and network and monetize. So, I would say to create content that is shareable, meaning people would want to reshare it to their stories or in their DMs to their friends, or、um, would be reshared by feature pages. 
and also to create anything that Instagram favors like reels right now. And in terms of the content itself, uh, definitely, like I mentioned, the shareable aspect. So what that means is that it's not just always personal. It's not just about you. Like people, when they just land on your page, if you have a hundred followers who are just your friends, you need to give them a reason to, to care, right? So creating things that are shareable or, or has mass appeal or has value or has educational value, usually helps with people wanting to save and people getting value from you and that's why they choose to follow you. So definitely think about what kind of value you can provide in the beginning and what kind of content can get you visible. That's what you want to be creating and focusing on in the beginning before you grow a following. So now we know what we're posting. Uh, do you have recommendations for creating stories? I know you are kind of known for having more creative stories. Do you use specific apps for those? So for stories, I do use an app called Unfold and sometimes to speed up or slow down things, I use InShot and InShot is also really, really powerful and free app. So there's a ton of different things that you can explore in there. I also make like collages inside InShot, both InShot and Unfold. So very, very good tools to have. What apps do you use? What apps do I use? Um, I use Adobe Rush. That's about it. Okay. And I make stuff in the Instagram. I like to use like the sticker features and stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love using GIFs. GIFs? GIFs. <laughs> and also pasting photos into the story itself. It used to be like you had to go to your camera roll and copy it and then paste it. That's what now. I still do. What? <laughs> it's built in. You know it's a built-in function. Yeah, yeah, there's like a thing where you can upload now, but I still, I don't know. Yeah. I prefer the old ways. <laughs> yeah, there's a built-in function on Instagram, which I do like to use because they round the corners and it just looks a little oh. bit nicer. Yeah. I was wondering how people were getting those rounded corners. Yes. Now I know. Yes, that's how. Moving on to the next question, how long did it take for you to get to your first 100K followers? The first 100K, I think it took two, two years or so, maybe a little bit more than that. But after that, things uh, started accelerating. So I would say the first 100K is the hardest. Yeah, over two years, I believe. I mean, even so, 100K is a lot. If you have 100K, good yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, and usually when you do get to 100K, um, it is more. it does become more like a full-time thing. And a lot of people before that, though. But yes, it is like a big milestone. So when you were smaller, were you landing collabs and things like that? When I was smaller, I did have some collabs, but for me, the way that I grew was I was focusing on growth first and then monetizing later. And th I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. Um, a lot of people are able to monetize really, really early on at 1,000, 2,000 followers, which is amazing. I didn't do that, but then it's definitely possible. Do you have any recommendations for people with, like, let's say 1K or 2K who are hoping to land, let's say, collaborations with hotels or brands or things like that? Yeah, so if you don't quite have the reach yet, you want to think about what other values you can bring to the table. Maybe it's in terms of content, you have very organic looking content, or you have very professional looking content, either way, or you have unique um, content like drone shots that you can provide for a collaboration, 
those all help to provide additional value and position yourself as a desirable partner. So I think something else that's also relevant for beginner content creators is budget. Um, And when we look at your Instagram feed, we're like, wow, this must cost like, I don't know, $5,000, $10,000. Do you specifically have a budget set for travels? So I do, but then I don't have like a cap to it per se. Not that I spend a ton of money on travel because a lot of the times the hotels are free or um, I'm working with the tourism board or something like that. But I would say um, it's important to understand how much you're comfortable spending each year at different stages of your influencer career. In the beginning, I was a lot more strict with my budget and I would calculate like how much it would cost for each photo. Like if it w- the entrance fee was $28 per person and I needed to bring in a friend and the photographer and me, then I would budget and think like, does this photo actually have viral potential? Will this get me like new followers? And if it doesn't, then that's probably too expensive. Yeah, you could just go to somewhere where it's free. There's no entrance fee and just do that instead. So I do think, especially in the beginning, to be very conscious of your spending, set a like monthly budget for yourself and try not to go over it. Are you able to write off the spending that you do spend on your Instagram as business expenses? Yes, you can. And if you set up an LLC, you can still expense it even if you're not making income yet. But if you plan to um, make revenue in the next one or two years, basically you want to check the tax laws, but I believe you can create an LLC and still expense um, things even before you make an income and those expenses can be offset in the coming years. Disclaimer, please look this up on your own and consult a professional. (laughs) Okay, speaking of people who aren't making money yet, how long until I can start getting brand deals? Yeah, how long did it take you? Um, honestly, I was getting paid at like 900 followers, but it was not significant pay. I mean, that's amazing. I would be shocked if it was significant pay, but it's really, really good that people value your work at 900 followers because I would say that doesn't seem to be commonly the case, but that's amazing. Where did you get the opportunities? Was it a platform or? Yeah, it was a platform called Heartbeat Mm -hmm. and it's specifically for micro-influencers. Yeah. So if you have like even let's say 900 followers, there are campaigns out there for you. They set the rates, so obviously you can't go around being like, can I have $500, please? Yeah, but it's um, hard to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Huh? But it is good to like start getting brands on your portfolio and being able to like have the confidence to be like, wow, I have 900 followers, but I'm still getting paid. Totally, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they look carefully at, you know, engagement and content and like, being a good fit and all that yeah for me it took a lot longer mainly because i didn't know (laughs) that i could get paid before that so i think maybe my first brand deal was around like paid one was 10 or 20k uh, four plus years ago and it was for a hair oil (laughs) and what how much do you make per post now so at that time that was $200 for one post. <laughs> and I, I thought it was amazing at that time. Um, but now, 
I cannot legally disclose the, the numbers, but I can say that I have made a hard rule with my husband that I do not lift a finger for less than $6,000. Honestly, I would make that rule too. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't say how much you make per post, can you tell us like average yearly salary? I think it's funny that this is what you guys ask. Guys, guys, when did it become normal to just like ask people their salary casually on Instagram? But look, you know, I did a QA and someone was like, What was your SAT score? <laughs> <laughs> SAT score? Why does that matter? I don't know. That's pretty funny. So, how much do I earn? Well, I do have multiple streams of income. So, there's like brand deals and、uh, affiliate income. And sales from our digital products, and I'm probably missing a couple other streams. But、uh, for brand deals, I would say it's a multiple six figure income. Okay, multiple six figures, wow. So are you the sole income winner at this point then? At this point, technically, yes, in terms of、um, like active income. My husband does trade and invest his money,、um, but that doesn't really count as active income. So. So, he doesn't work right now? He's、well. semi retired, and、mm-hmm. we are able to travel the world because of this, and it's really amazing. And he is working towards starting something of his own. Excited to see what that's going to be. Maybe an influencer account. I hope so. <laughs> so, speaking of influencer accounts, how do you have such a precisely color coded feed? Hey, hey, one of my most frequently asked questions How do I color coordinate my feed? So, I cover this extensively in the Full Time Influencer Program, but there is a lot at play. It's a lot of planning, it's having a lot of backup photos, and also、uh, understanding color theory. So, I come from a design background and I was trained to understand color. Very much so, understanding complementary colors, analogous, and all that kind of stuff, so that you can understand like what blends in with each other or what's like the opposite of, of each other on the color wheel. And so, then I plan that way、um, how to color coordinate everything. But I'll give you three quick tips. The number one tip is to use a planning app like Planoly. The number two tip is to think about your clothes and think about how you can blend in or be similar to your surroundings. So instead of being the opposite color, if you're going to somewhere with lots of green, try yellow or neutral colors like white or tan, or just try a different shade of green.、Um, and then the third tip is to honestly have a lot of photos backed up before you start to plan the feed, or else it would be really, really hard to, to plan like a Graduating feed. Yeah, I really thought color theory was like common knowledge, but my boyfriend is like, Wait, how do you make green again? And I'm like, Yeah, actually, I do think that a lot of people probably don't know about color theory. It's really good to learn about, it will help you train your eyes, it will help you get better at editing, it would help you plan your feed. So just Google color theory, very, very useful info. Are you enjoying the full time influencer podcast so far? If so, then we'd love for you to share this episode with someone who will benefit from it or share this episode to your Instagram stories. Our mission is to help aspiring creators around the world, and with your help, we get one step closer with every share. Thank you so much, and now back to the show. 
So, this is completely unrelated. Somebody asked this question. I don't think this isn't even a question, it's a comment. As a travel influencer, your sh- job is to work within the budget of the people who follow you. So, I thought this was a very interesting comment, and I have to politely disagree here because people have different brands and niches, and some people's could be affordable travel, and some others could be luxury travel. And mine is luxury travel. And if I were to switch it around all the time, sometimes I go backpacking and staying in hostels, and sometimes I'm staying at a five star luxury hotel eating a Michelin meal. It would really be、um, sending out a mixed message and attracting all different kinds of audience, which is actually not my goal. So, if you're following me and you find that you're, there's no budget options, it's because that is my niche and that is the area that I choose to, to be in. But there are some amazing budget travelers that you can follow. Yeah. I think also, like, people don't follow influencers. Because they necessarily have the same life as them. Right. Like, if you have like a nine to five, you're an accountant, like, you're gonna follow someone with van life, with a van life niche, because you're like, that's so cool. That's completely different from what I do. So、yeah. I wanna see like stuff that I would never see on a daily basis. Right, right. And I'm also hoping that maybe you can save the luxury hotels that I go to for like your. Dream trip or for your honeymoon, you know, or something like that. So I think different influences provide different values. For sure. So, as a travel content creator, you are traveling and creating content, but does that mean that you don't have time to like have fun when you're traveling? No, for me, I honestly love creating content. So, Even if sometimes creating content is a little bit stressful, it really does bring me so much joy. And being able to look back at the content later on is like one of the best things ever. You'll just remember the moment. You'll be like, wow, I've been to so many beautiful places. I'm so glad I have all these memories. And so, in the moment, sometimes it can be a bit stressful. Yes,、uh, totally, because you have to plan everything. But Even creating con- the process of creating content itself is fun, and it's even more rewarding when you get like that beautiful shot. I feel like for me, a lot of times people are like, oh, you shouldn't be recording everything. Like, you're not living in the moment.、Yeah. But there has never been a moment where I was like, damn, I wish I wasn't recording that. There have、yeah. been many moments where I was like, damn, I wish I recorded that. Yeah, yeah. And also, our memories will fail us, by- but iCloud will not fail us, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Because <laughs> I have two terabytes of information on there. Please do not fail me. We want to know how much do you spend renting dresses for photo shoots? Yeah, so for dresses, I often collaborate with brands to lend me clothes or gifting. So I would say I don't spend that much on like gowns. I don't buy gowns for my photos.、Um, but I do buy dresses or like clothing for myself. Like I don't. Not all of my clothing s are gifted. If you want to rent gowns, I would say look in your local area. There's likely a photographer who also does gown rental services, or you could try things like Rent the Runway,、uh, where you do like a membership and you get a number of outfits each month. And another brand that actually works a lot with micro influencers is Andrea and Leo,、um, and also New York Dress. So, New York dress is sort of like a 
seller of gowns of various different brands, and Andrea and Leo is a brand that has a specific style of gowns. Very feminine, beautiful, princess-like, so definitely check them out. A lot of options there for whatever point you are at in your influencing career. Yes. So I feel like we have not really talked about anything super dramatic yet, and I want to change that. (laughs) So what is your worst nightmare as an influencer? The worst nightmare would be to be canceled. So I see other influencers being canceled for something they say, and it's really scary. Most of the times, you know, it's, I'm not going to say they deserve it, but most of the times, like, they said something highly inappropriate, and that's why. But I do feel like sometimes maybe for some people, some instances, it wasn't their intention to be malicious, um, or maybe it's something from the past that when they were immature that they said and then it got dug up and then they're getting canceled for it now. I just think cancel culture is so toxic and it's dangerous. It's not good for anybody, really. And so, yeah, I'm, I, my worst fear as an influencer is to be canceled. Don't cancel me, guys. I love everybody. It's definitely scary to have, like, random people who literally don't even care about you being yeah. like... Oh my god, Tina hates animals. <laughs> yeah, I love animals, guys. I love animals. <laughs> okay, and then on a related note, what's the most difficult part of your job? So that's a great question. There are a few things. One of the things I think is the pressure to constantly show up. Um, like I mentioned, I'm more of an introvert. So sometimes I just don't have the social energy to show up. Sometimes I just don't feel good. But then I feel guilty for not showing up because um, I I feel like I should be speaking to my audience and engaging with them and all that. That's one thing. I think just the pressure. Um, And another thing I think is like stress that I impose upon myself. Oh my god, I'm stressed out all the time. And it's not like all my influencer friends are stressed at all. But I just have this personality where I, I have FOMO and I want to keep doing new things and keep doing better and Lucy knows I set uh, impossible deadlines that I keep pushing back and it's absolutely (laughs) ridiculous (laughs) but it's just because like I'm pretty ambitious I want to do a lot in a short amount of time and right now there's a lot of things where I'm the bottleneck because it's still very much my personal brand that's operating here and so I it's not like I can just delegate everything out to other people yeah so that's the most difficult thing personally impose deadlines you hear that guy so if you want to make yourself less stressed give yourself more time with your deadline yeah just move your deadline but i have lucy here who who tells me tina are we supposed to post this tina have you created this reel yet tina where is the podcast episode and she keeps me on schedule yeah, so who's really the boss? We don't know. <laughs> Leave a review, let me know. <laughs> the truth is I'm being bossed around by a 23-year-old. <laughs> this, such is my life. All right, so let's go in a completely different direction. We have two more questions. Yes. Um, do you think it is possible to have too small of a niche? So, Ooh. like, let's say you live in a small town in upstate New York. Can you only be an influencer if you live in, like, a big city? Great question. So 
I do think it's possible to have too small a niche and you do want to be careful of that when you're starting out because then you won't be able to attract enough of an audience and most likely if it's too narrow, like too too narrow, it would be a little bit harder to monetize because your partnership options would be much more limited than um, another influencer that might cover, you know, like budget lifestyle. Um, but that being said, we always emphasize the importance of ha- being known for something and narrowing down your niche. But we say that because most of the times when people come to us, they want to do lifestyle, travel, fashion, and beauty. You know, it's too broad. So I think it's important to pick a few things that you're known for, that you're good at, but then you don't need to go like too deep. And if you're talking about like location-based, like you're a travel influencer and you're trying to do like location-based influencing, it's totally doable. Do remember that most people who follow you for a certain area will likely also want to see you travel elsewhere. So you don't necessarily have to limit yourself in terms of like geographical location. I know right now it's COVID and so it's a lot harder for most of us to travel freely. And so maybe that's why um, you're talking about like influencing in your local area. But you don't have to be from a large city or you don't have to be like traveling the world every other week to become a, a successful travel influencer is what I'm trying to say. So a balance in between is best. And if you're not being a travel influencer, then totally fine to live in upstate New York, you know? Yeah. Just take mirror alpha pics, you'd be good. <laughs> but even if you are a travel influencer in upstate, this first of all, lots of beautiful local places to Very discover. True. Secondly, you know, people are still curious about your day-to-day life. So while you are traveling and sharing your travels, you, you can also be engaging with your audience and telling them about your life in upstate, like your home and what you do on a day-to-day basis. I'm sure people are all curious. All right, and our last question for today. So let's say you have a smaller account. We can say, for example, like 500 followers, and you have these brands in your DMs. You've never heard of them before, and they're offering you free or discounted items in exchange for a post, and they're going to give you a discount code for your followers. Um, But maybe some of them are saying you have to pay for shipping. Is this real? No, guys, don't pay for shipping. And it's also like ridiculously expensive, like $30 for shipping. Do you know how much that dress costs? Probably $2 to manufacture. Don't be fooled into this. Definitely be careful of the people reaching out to you, especially um, exercise caution when you're just starting out. I would say like under a thousand followers, not saying that it's not possible to get paid or gifted at that follower count like Lucy has just proved. But like, for example, you went and seeked out the opportunity on a platform, but these are people coming into your inbox when you have less than a thousand followers, it's important in that case to exercise precaution, you know? How much reach do you actually have at this point that this brand would want to work with you and gift you? And so then when they're saying that you have to pay for shipping, that sounds quite weird, doesn't it? It feels like it's almost like they're just gonna make some money off of the shipping and they don't really care if you you end up posting anything or not. It's unfortunately a scam that happens way too much, yeah. Another thing I used to do when I was smaller and I was getting more of those DMs was go look at their account, and if they have, like, 20,000 followers but they get, like, 8 likes on each post, 
That's yes. suspicious. Definitely fishy. Although I will say, like, a lot of brands do have much poorer engagement um, relative to, like, influencers and regular people. But it is important to do a bit of your research, yes. And other things you can do is, like, just check if they address you by name. Does it look like a canned message? If it's just like, hi, babe, hi, dear, or whatever, just, just please ignore that. All right. And that is our last question for today. Okay, this was a fun episode. I think it ended up being a bit longer than what I had intended. I called it a mini-sode, but it's kind of like regular sode. (laughs) So um, this is just a fun Q&A that we thought we would pop in here to switch things up. Let us know if you enjoyed this format so that we can do more of this in the future. And I will have to send a very nice Yeti mic to Lucy here so that we can continue this type of Q&A podcast. And also, if you have questions, feel free to send it to us at fulltimeinfluencer.co. So thanks for tuning in. I will see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.